Good morning again. <laughs> Today we're celebrating what's called Transfiguration Sunday. That was the scripture that Mandy just read for us. It's the story of transfiguration. This is the celebration that celebrates a bridge between Epiphany, which is what we've been celebrating since Christmas, and Lent, which is our 40 days, our journey to the cross with Christ. It's the bridge and the marker between the ministry of Jesus and what we call the passion of Jesus, um, or his journey to the cross, which we'll be celebrating and remembering next week as we start the season of Lent. It's a special Sunday where we celebrate the glory of God, holy ground kind of places and moments that we find throughout scripture in our own lives. One of my holy ground kind of places is Ridgecrest Conference Center. Almost every decision made in my early life I made at Ridgecrest Conference Center in the mountains of North Carolina. You may have passed it. Um, It's up for sale now. I I think the sign is still up, but um, you may have passed it when you're headed on I-40 out to Asheville. There's an exit for Black Mountain, and it's right there. Um, there's also really good coffee in Black Mountain. If you're ever traveling that way, you gotta you gotta visit the Dripolator. Um, but if you're headed that way, there's a huge, ginormous white cross, um, and which is a cell phone tower um, that's on the property of Ridgecrest. That's the place. Growing up, we would go there for summer camp every year. It's also where, when I went to college, where we went for our statewide fall conventions uh, for the Baptist Student Union, where we would gather uh, every last weekend of September during those four years. It's where I made what I call um, a rededication, uh, uh, or what I used, what I termed it then. It was really a decision for myself at an age where I understood more fully what I was doing to follow Christ to live a life, as we said back then, totally sold out for Christ. It was this holy moment when I realized I had been baptized, but I, and I'd grown up in church. I'd done all of the church programs, all of the things, but I went through all of that as sort of emotion. It it didn't mean a whole lot to me. It hadn't, I hadn't committed to it. Um, And that's what I did at Ridgecrest. Years later, at a different event, Ridgecrest would be where I said yes to the call of ministry. It was later where I said yes to uh, the call to collegiate ministry, uh, which I still find myself serving in. Ridgecrest is what I call a thin place, um, as it's a term Christian contemplatives use. Um, A thin place is a place where the boundary between heaven and earth is especially thin, It's a place where we can sense the divine more easily. For me, Ridgecrest is a place where I pay the most attention, where I hear the voice of God more clearly. It isn't that God isn't always around me, but it's a place where worship comes easily for me and where I'm more open to hearing God speak to me. In Luke, we read that Jesus takes three of his disciples up on a mountain. 
We're about a week after Peter's confession of Jesus as the Messiah of God. Um, it's a pretty big uh, proclamation of, of Peter. Um, it, our scripture this morning, if you notice, started with about eight days later. That's what it's referring to. And the fact that that connection or that uh, sentence is at the beginning shows that the writer wants us to make that connection between these two stories. Jesus is going up to a mountain to pray. We haven't talked about that much this time through Luke, but Jesus is praying all the time in Luke. And so Jesus is going away again to pray by himself. Um, And we're told an interesting detail that Peter, James, and John are weighed down with sleep. Maybe the climbing the mountain wore them out. Maybe it's that Jesus is praying yet again. Um, But whatever it is, um, they do manage to stay awake. It's an odd detail. But it's a little comical to think about the guys on the mountain, like half asleep, trying to stay awake, thinking this is just a run-of-the-mill little trip up the mountain to pray. And all of a sudden, they realize Jesus is not alone. But he's enjoined by Moses and Elijah. Something magical and wonderful is happening right before their eyes. They'd seen Jesus heal others, bring people back to life, but this was a different kind of miracle. Peter, in true Peter fashion, always the one who feels like he needs to be the spokesperson for the group, fill any space with words, hurriedly offers to build booths or houses or temples um, for each of the three. But in the middle of this moment, a voice comes from the holy clouds that have appeared saying, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. One commentator said, all that's missing is the cosmic hand reaching down to give Peter a good, you're missing the point, slap upside the head. And they come down the mountain and they tell no one. Maybe they wanted to keep it to themselves. Maybe they weren't sure what they experienced. Maybe it was such a holy, holy moment that they thought if they told anyone about it, everyone would think they were crazy. Have you had moments like that? Moments where you know you felt God, you've heard God speaking, but you're afraid to tell other people because maybe it'll lose some of its meaning or or maybe they'll just think that you're crazy. But perhaps for the disciples, I, I think it may also be that they didn't fully get it. I mean, this was their friend, Jesus. They've been traveling, listening to him. They had been called out. They've seen miracles. But at this point, they didn't get the part that they played in all of this. They don't understand that they, what they have experienced, um, that is a part of, this is all a part of their own calling, their own strengthening for what was to come. They come down from the mountain and they, aren't able to heal a young boy, to cast out a demon, as it says. This story is is here to show us the point of what happened on the mountain. It wasn't just holiness for the sake of holiness. It wasn't just glory for the sake of glory. Those moments we have where we know we've encountered God on the mountain or, or whatever your thin place is, happen to strengthen us for what waits after the mountain. 
But it also shows us that the miraculous of Jesus doesn't just happen on the mountain. Jesus knew what lay ahead for these disciples. He knew how hard it would be to watch him die and then have to figure out how to carry on. Surely they would wonder if all of this was really worth it. Surely they would wonder if they had really seen the things that they had seen. If Jesus really who was who he said he was, they would need an experience, a thin place where they could experience and see the full glory of God to remind and ready them for what was ahead of them. We live in a period of time where we are not having a lot of mountaintop experiences. We have no big celebrations, no big trips to new places where eyes are opened to some new part of the world. Even worship can be hard to listen to the Spirit of God. When you're staring into a computer screen, maybe with kids or dogs fighting or needing things and moving all around you, it is hard to be in awe of the holy when we're caught up in the ordinary, when it all feels ordinary. You may have noticed a line in the benediction that I've been praying since maybe last May. Um, It says, in these extraordinary times, may God show up in extraordinary ways in ordinary places. How can such extraordinary times feel so dang ordinary (laughs) all of the time? It feels like we're never getting the mountaintop experience. We're just getting the health crisis at the bottom of the mountain. And we're not sure how to heal it, how to fix it, what all of this has to do with our faith. Devotions this week from the Center for Action and Contemplation wrote about this this week. Um, They said, to let the moment teach us, we must allow ourselves to at least be slightly stunned by it until it draws us inward and upward toward a subtle experience of wonder. We talked about that during Advent. We normally need a single moment of gratuitous awe to get us started. And such moments are only the solid foundation for the entire religious instinct and journey. But they included a poem that that goes maybe a little bit, that speaks maybe more to where we are right now. Barbara Holmes wrote a poem called Joy Unspeakable. And she says, awe is not always inspired by beauty and goodness. Truth sometimes comes in hard packages. It takes both great love and great suffering to stun us and bring us to our knees. God is there in all of it, using every circumstance of our life to draw us ever more deeply into the heart of God. We are not headed toward a single goal. We are on a pilgrimage toward the center of our hearts. It's in this place of prayerful repose that joy unspeakable erupts. Her poem, joy unspeakable erupts when you least expect it, when the burden is the greatest, when the hope is gone after bullets fly. It rises on the crest of impossibility It sways to the rhythm of steadfast hearts and celebrates what we cannot see. The spiritual journey is a constant dance between moments of awe 
followed by a general process of, of surrendering to that moment, giving in. We must first allow ourselves to be captured by the goodness, the truth, or the beauty, or, or something beyond or outside ourselves, because it really is all around us. This is how we find the mountaintop moments when we're just stuck in the valley. We pay attention. We look around at the ordinary for the beauty, for the work of God, for the ways in which God is still speaking to us. Jesus moves in the middle of the health crisis at the bottom of the mountain too. We've lost a lot of grand moments in our lives during this last year. But grand moments, even in a small way, still exist all around us. I read this week on Twitter about a young girl who, when she's happy, young girl like toddler age, but when she's happy, she just exclaims that she is. Um, Her father said that whether she's eating a piece of toast or playing with her toys, that she just spreads her arms wide and simply exclaims, happy! (laughs) Even when life is hard, or even just monotonous, God is still speaking and moving. There are still joys in life. There are still holy moments. There is still the hand of God that we can see. There are still blessings that we can enjoy. This is where our uh, theme for Lent comes from. Um, It is beautiful things, and it's taken from the line of the song. We we sang it, I don't expect you to remember this, but we sang it last year on Lent, uh, I think the last time that we were together, uh, the first Sunday of Lent. And um, it says, we're going to be playing this at the start of worship, uh, kind of at started a couple of minutes before 1030, and then it'll be playing as we all gather but the, the words for the song Beautiful Things say, All this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life could really change at all. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come out of the ground at all? You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of us. All around, hope is springing up from this old ground. Out of chaos, life is being found in you. As Michael said earlier, each week we'll engage one of our senses in order to just pay attention to God. We will still be meeting virtually. So you bring your scent and your lighter or your diffuser or your can of Febreze or whatever to your little to your little Brady Bunch box on Zoom. Um, We'll have a time where uh, we can share what's your favorite scent, what you've got going on, what it means to you. Um, But that's what we're gonna do next week. We are working on paying attention during the season of Lent and looking for the God and the holy moments out of the broken places in our lives. The hope is that we create moments where we want to throw our hands open and wide and exclaim happy, frustrated, sad, joyful, because the Jesus of the mountain of transfiguration is also the Jesus of the valley of the medical crisis, which means that Jesus is here with us today. The hope is that we create moments 
not just in Lent, but every day, where we, in, we are in awe of the amazing work of God, so that in these extraordinary times, <laughs> we really do experience God showing up in extraordinary ways in ordinary places. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are the God of the mountaintop. You are the God of the incredible holy moments um, where Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus on a mountain in some kind of weird miracle. <laughs> and, and the voice of God is, is heard through the clouds. But we are also grateful that you are the God of the health crisis that happens at the bottom of the mountain, the healing that needs to happen. God, we are often much like those disciples, kind of confused about the holy moments we've experienced and, and confused with the health needs of those around us. It is easy to be overwhelmed with just the day-to-day. -day. It's easy to be overwhelmed with fear when every single decision that we make feels momentous, whether it's going to the grocery store, or running errands, or sending kids back to school, or, or meeting with family and loved ones. Not to mention those who are caring for those who are on the front lines of doing the hard work of the healing. Help us to remember that you are here with us at the bottom of the mountain too. Give us eyes to see you at work all around us. Help us to see the holy moments, to feel them, to, to surrender to them, to allow the awe of those tiny holy moments take over us and to fully surrender to them and to you when they happen. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are not just a God of the big and the powerful, but your power also just infiltrates our everyday life. Your love infiltrates our everyday life. Thank you for being a God that loves us, no matter where we are. We ask all this in your name. Amen.